You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are in the middle of a series on baptism, if you didn't hear that already. As always, if you have any questions or comments about anything that I say, feel free to send them. We love to try to make this as much of a dialogue as possible rather than just a monologue. That number is going to be at the bottom of each of your screens, and uh, it's on your bulletins. But as we've been starting, before we talk about what baptism is, we like to talk about why we do baptism at, at all. What, why are we doing this? What is this mystery ritual thing that we do? Uh, where do we find in Scripture our our, our emphasis to do this ritual. For me, it comes down to two things centered on the life of Christ. First, Jesus was baptized. Jesus was baptized. We have it here in Matthew 3. Jesus was baptized. And since Jesus is uh, the one in whose image we are being conformed to, the one whom we are following, we do what our rabbi says. And so as Jesus, Jesus was baptized, so we too can be baptized. But also Jesus commands baptism. In this thing that we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, if you want to make more followers of me, that's what I want you to do. Go into all the earth, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Jesus, when he talks about the process of learning how to follow him, the first thing he says is baptism. Command baptize them. So why do we do baptism at all? Because Jesus models it and Jesus commands it. And ultimately for me, the why of it all is that Jesus, baptism is cements what Jesus has done and is a catalyst for Jesus is going to do in our lives. This is the why of it. What is it though? What is it? What does it mean? What is going on? We've been going through this document called the BEM, comes out of the World Council of Churches. They said there's four things that almost all Christian traditions believe about baptism. We're on week four, so we've already done these. Participation in Jesus' death and resurrection. This is what baptism means. That it's cleansing and conversion. We're getting washed. That there's a sealing of the spirit and a belonging to the body, the church. And today, the weirdest, wildest one a taste of the kingdom of God and of the world to come. That's what we're talking about today. A taste of God's kingdom and the world to come. If you have a Bible, grab it. We're going to John chapter 3. I did not put the page number in there. (laughs) Find it, I promise. John chapter 3, I have it, 810. Page 810, if you need the page number, also it'll be on the screen if you don't want to use uh, the Bible in front of you. We know John chapter 3 because most of us know John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? This all happens in this dialogue with a Jewish leader. Jesus is sitting at night with this Jewish leader named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is supposed to be a a very educated person, a leader of uh, the people in his own religion, and he comes to ask Jesus at night, right, because he's a little bit ashamed, a little bit embarrassed probably, to be talking to such a controversial figure that his people are pretty frustrated with. And so he wants to ask some questions to Jesus, and Jesus tells him these things from, from the word of God today. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, 
a Jewish leader. He came to Jesus at night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, that word could be again or even from above, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asks the very obvious question. How is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? And all the women said, Amen. <laughs> Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. The word of God for the people of God today. As always, we preach Head, heart, hands here, three points, something for us to know, something for us to feel, something for us to do with what we just read. And so I'm always asking those questions. What does God want us to know? What does God want us to experience? Because that information needs to become transformation. Otherwise, it just puffs us up, makes us arrogant. And how does it turn into action so that we can continue the work of Jesus in the world around us? So what does God want us to know? He tells us very clearly, two times, that this water thing, is a symbol of our admission into the kingdom. That this thing we're doing with water is a symbol of, of, of our admission into what God is doing in the world, Jesus' reign on earth. He says twice, I assure you, if you like the old language, it's truly, truly, or verily, verily, right? Jesus twice wants you to know, do not miss what I'm about to say, I assure you. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. In explanation about what that means, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Being born of the Spirit is about God's Holy Spirit regenerating our hearts and minds. It's about a regeneration that happens when we put our faith and trust into Jesus Christ, His atoning death, and His resurrection. And the symbol of that is our baptisms. You don't get to see God's kingdom unless your hearts and minds have been renewed by God's Holy Spirit. What is kingdom? We talk about it a lot here. If I could just sum it up for us quickly, it's God is becoming king over all creation again. That humanity rejected God and tried to go in their own way, and God has now in Jesus Christ said, enough, and I'm going to take over. And the ways that I wanted the world to be and the ways that I wanted your lives to be, I'm going to make happen again because I'm becoming king over creation again. And if you want to be a part of that, you must be born again of water and spirit. You want in? You want into the kingdom thing? You got to get wet and you got to be renewed by the Holy Spirit. This made me think about when I was playing football. This is our very own Rick. I just pulled a picture off the computer. Our very own Rick is the head coach at Orville High School. Everybody pray for him, football coach. But I was remembering my head coach, my freshman year, and his th freshman, I'm, I'm, you know, 14 years old, scared to death. They kept telling us that we were going to have to shower, right? We are going to have to shower for PE. I was like, I don't want to do that. And no one really tried to make me do that. To my joy and to my, you know, classmates, disdain, a bunch of just stinky freshmen running around after P.E. But my football coach in August, starting at practice, he says, I will not let you out of this gym unless your hair is wet. He even made it rhyme a little bit. He was like, I will not let unless your hair is wet. It was like some kind of phrase. 
And, I, and so he's like, because I don't want you to get in your car and your mom yelling at me because you're stinking up the house. And so I want you to shower before you go home. And so his, he would stand at the front and he would check to see if our hair was wet. Well, here's the problem. My hair was always wet. It was, I was like 205 pounds at 14 years old running the 114 degree heat. I was always wet. So I was like, oh, cake. I got my ticket out of this gym. I was wet. I got it. And uh, I, never, I never won. I stunk up the whole house and my parents' cars. That's what I'm thinking of when Jesus is talking about how he assures you that you won't see the kingdom. This is like my coach saying, you will not make it out of this gym. Now, I found a loophole. I don't want you to find any loopholes here. But this is what I think. I assure you, you will not see God's kingdom unless you are born again of water and the spirit. That's what Jesus says. I assure you of this twice. Verily, verily, you will not. Baptism is a part of Jesus' plan to help us taste the kingdom. That God is becoming king again, and he's making all things right, new, and good. And if you want to be a part of that, you must be born again of water and spirit. What does Jesus want us to feel in that passage? What's the experience, the transformation? Born. Born is the word, twice. Born, not built. I want to say, because you're not earning this. This is nothing you do. This is a gift you receive that you are opening the grace of Jesus Christ who did all the work on our behalf. Jesus wants you to feel born again, renewed, a fresh start. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born again or anew or from above. Again, he says, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, it's not possible. Jesus wants you to experience newness, freshness, born again-ness. That's what God wants you to experience in this, a new start. This is about submitting to the work of God's Holy Spirit to bring you into God's new creation. We, I think we understand this when Jesus is talking about being born again. Nicodemus didn't understand it. We understand it. We got this side of the resurrection we understand it, though, naturally, too. These are the May birthdays in our church, and I'm sure I've missed some. Any May birthdays in the church? Oh, sorry, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Hey, how much work did you do on the day of your birth? None, right? You did no work on the day of your birth. This is something you received. Your mother did a lot of work on the day of your birth. Bless her. You should sing her praises every day. I tell my students at Chico State, you know, they write these papers and they complain about their parents. And I'm like, you go home and thank them right now. Call them and tell them you love them very much. Your mother is a dear saint. Uh, but we get this. This isn't about earning. Baptism isn't about earning. Baptism is about opening the gift that Jesus has given us. Reborn. This is not something that we do in our own effort, in our own strength. This is something that we receive from Jesus Christ because we have placed our faith in him. And the water is the symbol of that rebirth that Jesus is meeting out in your hearts and minds. You are doing no work in this. You are receiving the goodness of God. And Jesus wants you to experience that freshness, starting over, regeneration of heart and mind, that you are beginning again in the family of Jesus, in the family of Jesus. D.A. Carson is a great scholar, wrote a wonderful book on the Gospel of John commentary, and he says it like this. This is what he thinks water and spirit mean. In short, born of water and spirit signals a new beginning, a new birth that cleanses and renews the new creation cleansing and renewal promised 
by the Old Testament prophets. This is what we got to experience. It's all newness. You get a fresh start. This is what this is about. Unwrapping the gift of Jesus, being born again. Jesus wants to regenerate your heart and life as a gift to you. And what does God want us to do as we're wrapping up? If you have any questions, feel free to send them. He wants you to live like the world to come is actually on its way. That the thing that God promised, that you actually believe it, and you live as if that reality is coming and is even now spilling out into our current reality. If you want a big, fancy seminary word, we talk about the word prolepsis, which means that we are living now as if the tomorrow promise of God is real today. That's what he wants you to do. And that's what baptism is. It's you stepping into that flow of God's new creation, the new heavens and the earth to come. But as Jesus is renewing the space and place right now, I'm going to take us to a different John passage, John out in Revelation 7. Because we're going through a Bible study in Revelation, and this passage is really impactful to me. The question is, how do we stand before God's throne in the world to come? And John gets a vision. And it's this. It says, Then one of the elders said to me, Who are these people wearing white robes, and where do they come from? And John says, I don't know. Why are you asking me? I have no idea. And then the elder in heaven in this vision said to him, These people have come out of a great hardship, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the Lamb's blood, which should already be like... Blood doesn't make stuff white. But this is the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God, is that we are made pure and clean, white as snow. Our sins are driven away from us by the blood of Jesus. This is the picture we get. And he goes on to tell us what this means for the future. This is the reason that they are before God's throne, because they worship him night and day in his temple, and the one seated on the throne will shelter them, and they won't hunger or thirst anymore. And the sun or the scorching heat will not beat down on them because the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them. And he will lead them to the springs of life-giving water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Isn't that what we all want? Life-giving water, no more tears. God sheltering us. Jesus the lamb shepherding us, taking us to the place that we want to go. Part of what baptism is, is a taste of that kingdom that Jesus has for us and a declaration that we are going to live this reality as best we can now with the Holy Spirit's help and the saints beside us. That this reality is spilling into our reality and we're going to try our best to see it come to fruition, praying what we are all commanded to pray, that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's our marching orders. To see this bear out in our world right now. And this is what this is supposed to be a glimpse of, a taste of. This very thing. No more tears. Life, springs of life-giving water. Part of baptism is about investing in God's promised future and getting a taste of it today. George Eldon Ladd was a great scholar who came up with a phrase, the already not yet of God's kingdom. That it's already here in a sense, but it's not yet here in a sense. And we Christians live in the in-between of tasting the kingdom now and working towards its full and final coming. That's what part of baptism is, is that you are getting on board with that mission and living in it. Last quote, and I'm, I'm done. 
This is uh, Bishop Theodoret of Cyrus from the 400s. And he says, baptism is a promise of greater and more perfect gifts. In it are the promises of future delights. It is the type of the future resurrection, a participation in Jesus' resurrection, a mantle of salvation, a tunic of gladness, a garment of life. Not just a garment of light, but rather, he says, light itself. Baptism is about anticipating, expecting, and working towards God's good promises here and now, and not just sitting in our pews waiting to go to heaven someday. It's about putting on the promises of God right now. So what is baptism? I'm summing up. It's these four things. Participation in Jesus' death and resurrection, cleansing and conversion, sealing of the spirit, and welcoming of the body and a taste of the kingdom and the world to come. And so we have symbols for each one of these today. We're going to try to overwhelm our baptizans so that they really experience this. What's the symbol for participation in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? It's the water. That they go down in their watery grave and they rise again, new creation. What's the symbol of cleansing and conversion? Taking those robes and washing them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is why they got white robes. What's the symbol of sealing of the spirit and belonging to the body? We got olive oil. We got communion. These are our symbols of sealing and belonging. And lastly, what is the sealing of taste of the kingdom and of the world to come? Christians for 2,000 years, as soon as people come out of the water, they shove a spoonful of milk and honey into their mouths so that they can taste the promised land. Amen? One, it's milk and honey for everyone. One of them's got almond milk and honey. I think it counts. It's all these things and more. It's all these things and more. I didn't see any questions, so I'm going to let you end with this final quote from my beloved professor out of Seattle Pacific. He said, baptism means everything Christ means under the sign of water. And with that, would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for this text. Thank you for your word that breathes life into us. We want to experience newness. That is why we are here. We want to experience your regeneration of our hearts and minds. Ongoing justification, sanctification as we grow in holiness towards you. Would you help us? Just being here, that is our declaration, that we recognize the world is broken and we need your help so that we don't get broken alongside of it. Help us. Help us to see your kingdom. Help us to taste the good promises that you have for us and all of creation. As we come now to a time of communion, of the bread and the cup, would we all continue to get a taste of what it means to be your children in this body, working towards your good future for our life in this world? Would it be spiritual nourishment on our journeys? Would it be edifying to us? And as we participate, would that be glorifying to you? And we say these things in Jesus' name. Table Church, will you help me finish this prayer by saying the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.